Hello, everyone. My guest today is Nicole Verken. She's the founder and CEO of a Canadian technology company called OMX. Previously, she led a high-tech manufacturing business selling to governments around the world. Nicole is on the board of the Canadian Crown Corporation that performs government-to-government contracts between Canada and other countries around the world. She's a dragon on CBC's Next Gen Dragon's Den, which is dedicated to early-stage technology businesses, and joined Gimlet's media show The Pitch as the fourth investor in the 2018 season. Nicole, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. All right, good. So so first question first, you have your hand in a lot of media-related stuff with your show, with Gimlet's thing, but you're also kind of running your own company. They have to compete from a priority perspective, or if not, how do they feed each other? Yeah, they definitely compete. That is, um, that is the constant battle is trying to balance those two things. Um, but we, with OMX, we sell to government, but mostly big industrial companies, traditional corporations. So the work I do, I'm also on the board of the Canadian Chamber of Commerce as well. So that kind of stuff is really good because we do get, we do position ourselves as thought leaders in the space of digitizing traditional businesses. And uh, it, it does help our business. And it's really good from a, from a positioning perspective. So give us, kind of give us a, a customer example of what OMX, you know, maybe who you sell to, Raytheon, General Dynamics, et cetera. Walk me through how they use you guys. Yeah. So we do a lot of work in what I call the regulated market. So energy, infrastructure, um, mining, uh, aerospace defense, and they essentially use us to, it's basically CRM for supply chain. And then it's Expedia for um, supply chain opportunities. So B2B uh, procurement opportunities. So we aggregate data from uh, from SAP, from RFQ to go, from Bravo Solutions, Jagger, the largest e-procurement solutions, um, plus our own exclusive ones, and send them out to all the different companies that that match by essentially um, building APIs to a whole bunch of different solutions and different uh, data feeds. So I would say it's CRM for supply chain, it's Expedia for supply chain, and then one of the big innovative things we do is actually um, rolling up all the socioeconomic impact data. So we're competing against the KPNGs of the world who will traditionally manually go out and do this, um, you know, half a million dollar study for a company to say, this is the job creation and the impacts you're having. And it, it sounds like a weird esoteric thing that you would need to the average person, but all the companies in our sectors um, are required to do this reporting back to government and they have to do it when they go out to bid for new projects, like a new major infrastructure project, for instance. So we're digitizing that whole process. The CRM aspect makes me think pure play SaaS. You think HubSpot, you think Salesforce. The Expedia makes me think of a much tougher market, which is a marketplace market where you're taking cuts of fees in between. You get data, you then use that data to do bigger studies. Which one of those revenue streams make up makes up a larger portion of your business? It's, it's just all SaaS based, but you're right. It is, it is unique to have a SaaS model in a marketplace. That's actually been a challenge for us. I will admit that. Which came first? Um, actually, the marketplace came first. Okay. And and what advantages to launching a SaaS? Oh, oh, sorry. They came <laughs> together because what brings the buy side, the big industrial corporations that are releasing their procurement opportunities is our reporting functionality. When we released the solution, they were they were both there. Okay. And what year was that? When was year one? The solution was released in early 2012. 2012. Okay. And then let, let's just focus. We'll focus a bit here on the SaaS side of things, and then we'll shift to kind of the media stuff you're working on. So 2012, uh, you launch OMX, big portion. Of, well, actually, all of it is SaaS. There's a marketplace model on top of it. Give me a general sense. These companies, I mean, I'm sure you have many different cohorts, but on average, what's a customer paying you per month? Um, the buy side on average is paying about 3500 Not on average. The low end is about 3500 a month, and that's in Canadian dollars, so it'd be more in U.S., 
Um, and then on the sell side, it's about 150. Okay. Okay. 150 bucks. So very much you're, you're representing buy side mostly. That's where most of the revenue is coming from. That's right. About 90%. Yep. Okay, great. And, and bootstrapped or have you raised capital? We just raised a small amount of capital, about a million dollars from friends and family. And we got some government loans that we've paid back. Okay. That, you know, once you're on kind of the raised train, it's a whole different ball game. So why give up a, even if it's a little bit, why give up even a little bit of control? Why not keep bootstrapping? Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, we thought we were getting on the raise train. I went out to raise a do a significant VC raise and I just had a lot of challenges with that process. And I mean, you and I spoke earlier about how much I feel the community has changed, especially in Canada in the last eight years. Um, but we had, there wasn't really any early stage venture capital, um, when we were going out. And so I don't feel that we got on the race train. We tried to, and we did it and we stumbled and we took a little bit of friends and family money and in the grand scheme of things, a million, even that million, we paid back some of it. Um, was it debt were, or equity? It was equity, but I'm just saying some of it was structured as convertible that we were able yep. to pay back, yep. um, yep. at our option. So um, I feel that we didn't actually get on the raise train because I still have control just over 50%. Yep. Did you uh, have co-founders in the business? No, but our CTO came on very early on and he has equity in the company. I see. Okay, great. And what's the team size today? Uh, there's about 20 people, but and then a, a group of contractors that work in um, Europe, India, uh, New York, and um, Ottawa. Those full-time folks, are they mainly there in Canada and Toronto? Yeah, the 20 that are full-time are all in our office in Toronto. Okay, great. So you're building this tool. You're building this tool 2012. Now, did it take a lot of R&D to get to kind of your first sale? And if so, how many years did you have to go with kind of no revenue? In other words, how long were you supporting it with no revenue before you closed well, the deal? Well, that's, that's the thing, right? We went out to raise some real money and we weren't able to. So I said, you know what? We need to release a feature that we can sell immediately. And um, we were generating revenue within a few months after release. Okay, 2012. That's great. Yeah. And then fast forward today. So six years later, how many customers are you working with? Really, let's just focus on buy side. Uh, on the buy side, there's about sort of 40 that are significant, yep. 30, 40. So is this, I mean, this is at the price point you're at and at 40, that screams to me kind of enterprise sales model. Is that accurate? You have field reps inside sales team? Yeah. And some of our deals are a lot bigger than the three grand a month that I indicated. Um, but yeah, the sales cycles are two plus years, which is, you know, that that's, that's the big challenge there is that you have to be pricing these things because they are complex sales. They have to be bit bigger deals. 3,000 in Canadian is about 2,600 USD in terms of kind of your, you said it was a lower end average revenue per customer. That's where it starts. Yeah, it starts month. at 3,500 a month. And we say that's per program per country. So if we get a big enterprise client that's got, multi, obviously they're managing supplier data across multiple like major complex programs. So if I'm an infrastructure company, you know, one road program. So I'm basically managing all this data and producing all this real-time reporting on, on what's going on in the status and all that kind of thing. So it depends on, um, you know, usually they'll start with one as a beta and then, and then grow from there. But we, the other thing that we had to learn was we were very scared of the word services. You know, it's, it's like a bad word in startups to have any consulting or, you know, ever sell anything by the hour. But we, what we had to learn very quickly. Wait, why do you say that? Why do you say it's, who, who, where did, where did that impression come to you from? I think investors give you that impression, right? So they'll only give you a multiple on your reoccurring revenue. They only want it to be software related revenue. Um, That's and so, so interesting we, though, because if it's positioned, we've had, you know, we've done about 3000 of these interviews and the ones that come on where they say um, our onboarding fee instead of our professional services revenue, it's like, that was 
That was literally what I was just about to say. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so what we found, and, and so we never chart, we never charge for any of that stuff. You know, you've bought the software, you know, here's some training, good luck. But what we found with, especially the enterprise, because you'll get a senior level person that says, we need this for the ROI and this and that we got to go to the future. And then the people that are actually supposed to be using it, well, they have their manual ways. They have their personal ways of doing things and their relationship with the consulting firm that does it manually and all that kind of stuff. And so to get them to use it is, it can be a big challenge and one training session isn't enough. And then you're not going to get your reoccurring um, usage of the platform. And for us, it's more valuable for them to be posting their procurement opportunities on top of them continuing to give us the revenue. So the one of the most important takeaways I got from the first couple of years was, no, you need to sell the outcome. You need to say, pay for the subscription. This is your technology subscription. Plus, you're going to pay this little fee on top to ensure there's a you know, OMX account manager, a person helping you through. And the outcome you're going to get is complete digitization of all of these elements. Because as you know, if you're using a CRM and only like small portion of your data is in there, the whole thing's completely useless. So that's right. um, that was a big takeaway for us to not be afraid of that element of, you know, putting some man hours behind making sure that the end customer gets everything they want out of it. Yeah. Data from folks that I've interviewed would say that's actually what you have to do to make sure your reten- retention and lifetime biometrics go up. There has to be an onboarding fee to put touch on it, especially I that in 2012. Well, the data didn't exist really back then, I don't think, but I would agree with you totally. Um, let me, I mean, look, I want to get a minimum here because I, I want to give you a credit where credit's due. So right. 3,500 Canadian is 2,600 uh, USD multiplied by, you know, 40 customers. You're North and potentially well, north of 100 grand per month at this point, correct? In MRR? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. What is your next big revenue goal? What are you trying to grow to? Um, we're, we're getting close to the 5 million mark is what we're, we're trying to get to right now. So, um, but to me, it's better that it's really good, sticky revenue where they're also really, really using the solution and also doing a lot of sourcing through the application. So making sure that within those accounts, I just put like one of our rock stars on our team, an amazing, amazing guy. I just put him responsible for dealing with all the current accounts to make sure that they're getting the actual right procurement people on and the different, you know, making sure that the people that are using it are the right people. So we can keep scaling on top of that. Yep. Is that five, you think you hit that 5 million by the end of the year this year, December run rate? No, that's, that's in the next year or so. Next year. Okay, good. And, and generally speaking, what are you growing at currently year over year? Uh, about, it's about 40%. Okay. That's pretty healthy considering that you basically bootstrapped this 40% year over year growth is great. And then I want to understand more kind of about how you're onboarding new customers. It sounds like this might be a bit of a longer sales cycle. It does require touch. When you look at your fully weighted CAC, where does that come in about? Oh, I don't know our exact CAC, to be honest. I haven't calculated that in a long time. Okay. Is it not, is it just not, it's not something you need to track because it's, it, you're, you're making so much. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you're spending to acquire or why isn't that something that you tracked in a while? Well, it, because we don't care that much what our CAC is on the sell side with the suppliers. I mean, I know we should because Sorry, we I'm just talking buy side. I'm talking your big accounts. So the sell side, we don't see it as a SaaS model traditionally like a HubSpot because it's more like a LinkedIn model where suppliers come on and pay the fee and respond to RFIs and then come down for free. And there's thousands at that level. So we don't track the CAC for the sell side for that reason. On the buy side, it's really hard to do. We, we do, we do a little bit of tracking, but it's very much a traditional enterprise sales cycle where you're going to a trade show, you're meeting 10 companies, you're following up, they're in the funnel, you're meeting them, you're visiting them. You're so 
And then there's like four people that in our company that will touch that customer. So we don't have the exact numbers on those. How many deals? I'm curious how you've built kind of your inside sales model. You said you have four. How many deals do you like to see each of them closing per year? Like new AR added per year per sales rep? Um, so it's about seven or eight. Seven or eight. Oh, seven or eight. Okay, that's a lot. So so each year you should expect them to close about 28 new deals to, altogether, all four. Nicole, all four, four times seven is 28? Yeah. Is that, did I under, I want to make sure I understood you correctly. Is that right? Yeah. I just don't know where you got the four from, but yeah. You, well, you said seven. you had four, you said you had four inside sales reps. I, I just said that today. Yeah. You just, now? you just, you just said you had four people inside that work these leads that go to the trade shows that close the sales. Yeah. But well, is that accurate? I might've misheard you. Did, is that accurate? Yeah. There'd be four people that are definitely that are involved. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, yeah. Okay, let's let's shift away from SaaS for a second. You're sitting on a company that's growing. You own 50% of it. It's basically bootstrapped. Why now go and say, okay, I'm going to do Dragon's Den and I'm going to do the pitch. I'm going to do these other things. Uh, I just really enjoy it. I really, really like it. So Dragon's Den was a two-day commitment. It wasn't a big deal, but everyone seems to have made it into one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I sat there for two days as somebody who had been in on that side of the equation pitching only three or four years prior. So it was really almost surreal. And I enjoyed just giving them advice on the really early days. And so having them try to think through, get to sales faster, um, fail fast, all those, all those things that we all know all about now, but I really, really enjoyed it. It was a really fun process. And then, um, the pitch is same thing. It's like four days a year. Um, and I love meeting these different startups and they also, they really help me too, to really think through our model and get some really crazy new ideas. Sometimes I, I actually have received some really neat, innovative ideas on how to improve our platform. N- by name, pull, pull one out of your head. I'm just curious. N- name one for me. That's top of mind. Well, we had somebody pitch us on Gimlet media who's doing, um, one hour delivery. And so I thought, you know, why couldn't you, it might not be one hour, but in the B2B space, why couldn't you add a widget that reaches into Uber or some of these other platforms and, sort of guarantee some kind of faster delivery for a premium within an RFP. Like why can't you be leveraging what's going on in consumer? I know it takes way longer to have it trickle down into B2B, but you get lots of neat ideas, lots of stuff in AI, um, lots of stuff in, in managing big data, that kind of stuff. So, yep. Uh, are you raising capital right now for the software for OMX? No, no. Are, are you in acquisition talks with anyone? Are you interested in selling? no, no, you just want to keep it growing, hit the 5 million mark somewhere next year and just keep scaling. Yeah, we're having a lot of fun too. That's good. All right, Nicole, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Favorite business book? Oh my God. I just read Shoe Dog and I, and I loved it. I don't know if that's my favorite of all time, but I loved it. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Oh God. Um, I've always loved Steve Jobs. Number four, what's your favorite online tool for building the business? Wait, you missed number three. Sorry, that was number three. Favorite online tool? HubSpot. All right, and number four, how many hours of sleep are I getting every night? How many hours of sleep? Oh, God, between five and seven. Okay, well, say maybe six on average. And what's your situation? Married, single, kiddos? Um, in a relationship, not married or kids. Okay, that's good. So you have a, li- you have a little bit more freedom than it, three young ones running around the house, right? Yeah. Good. And uh, do you mind me? I, so- Go ahead. I have a dog. You have a dog. So a half, a half kid. We'll call it a half kid. All right, Nicole, I'm la- last question here. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Oh God, that it takes a long time. Guys, it takes a long time. Be patient. She launched OMX back in 2011, uh, re- sorry, 2014, really as a, a tool. 
2011. Oh, it was 2011. Okay, good. 2011, 2012, right? Uh, first customer, 2012. Get now about 40 customers. She's really helping on the buy side. It's procurement process, specifically with uh, things that are, you know, the Raytheons of the world, the general dynamics of the world. Uh, she's helping also then on the data side, doing customer reports for these folks, serving currently about 40 customers that pay a minimum of call it 2,600 USD per month. So well north of 100 grand per month in revenue, Hope, hoping to scale to about 5 million in terms of an AR run rate in the next year or so. From 2017 to 2018, grew about 40% year over year. She's got a team of 20 folks up there in Canada. I'll tell you what, it's really booming up there. Nicole, thank you for taking us to the top. Thanks.